Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from July 31st by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. But it's good to see everyone here this morning, and if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be in verse 6 today, although we read verses 6 through 8. Al mentioned upstairs in his, in his class, sometimes he'll, he'll stop and write a note down or something when he hears something, because next time he teaches through that verse, he wants to add what was said. And I do the same thing. And, and um, one thing I looked at, when he looked at what I've been preaching and teaching through Matthew chapter 5 about the Beatitudes, is kind of how they've been organized. And, and I like what one pastor that I've listened to, he, he mentioned these. When you look at those, those first three Beatitudes, the godly humility, the godly sorrow, and, the, and, and that godly meekness, that, and he, he kind of categorized those things as, a spirit, as spiritual poverty. As Christians, we're to have that type of spiritual po- poverty in our lives. To where, as we looked at, that first attitude of living in the Spirit of God refers to that godly humility that allows the Holy Spirit in us and through us to accomplish the Father's plan around us. And so without the humility, we're going to sit there and do what we want to do and not what God wants us to do. And so we need that godly humility. Uh, And that's part of that that poverty that exists within a a Christian. That second attitude we mentioned, uh, it follows that humility. In fact, without it, you're not going to have that verse 4 where it talks about to mourn over one's sin. That's one thing that humility does. When, when we're face to face with God and in our prayer and our Bible study, first thing God's going to say when we begin to, begin to talk is say, well, what about what you said yesterday? Oh, you know, we got to mourn over that sin. We, we not only got to confess it, but we got to go make it right with the people that, that we might have wronged or said something to. And that's important. That's that godly sorrow in us that as Christians, the world can't understand those things. The world understands us justifying our actions and, well, this person did that, so that's why I did this. I mean, the world, that's the way the world does things. But that's not the way the Christian does things. And so we need this spiritual po- poverty. And that, and that next one in verse 5, that third attitude we looked at, it reveals that hidden man of the heart, that god, ha- having godly meekness where we want to glorify Christ that's in us. We want, to, we want God to, to, to use our life to draw people to himself. And, and that's what's important. See, the world can't understand that truth about someone who is living by the Spirit of God because it doesn't make sense to them. It's foolishness to them. But those that are living in Christ, it makes all the sense in the world because it, it puts our trust in who Jesus is and in the power of the Holy Spirit in us and not in our own strength, not in our own power. And what it does ultimately, when you look at this, this spiritual poverty, it reconciles those around us. If they're Christians, we help them live a better life because, well, we're not above making mistakes and neither are they. And we're going to encourage them to to live humbly and, 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 and get, the, get their sins right. And if there's not a Christian, they're, they're going to have two responses to our lives. Either they're going to be drawn to Jesus or they may become our worst enemies and persecute and, and, and cause all kinds of problems for us because we are Christians. But folks, that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. And so we need that spiritual poverty. And so these next three verses... And, 
deal with, verses 6, 7, 8, deal with our spiritual passion. Our passion. If we're living in, in that spiritual poverty, through that godly humility, godly sorrow, and godly meekness, it should develop a spiritual passion in our lives for godly things, not worldly things. Nothing wrong with worldly things as long as they don't replace our relationship with God. And so this is what we see. Now, again, as I've always mentioned, every one of these Beatitudes starts with what word? What's the, what's the word they all start with? Blessed, okay, blessed. We need to understand that word makarios and all of its different little meanings, okay? I don't usually do a lot of word, word studies as far as my preaching goes because most people, you say it, they, they never, never remember it. I never remember what the pastor starts reading off these big words, so I don't put them in my preaching. But I do try to understand what they mean and put it into practical use. And this word makarios, this word blessed, refers to the one that possesses the favor of God. How do you possess the favor of God? Right back to those first three Beatitudes. You know, are we, do we have that spiritual poverty? Do we have that humility and sorrow and meekness in our lives? You know, and, and, and the results that it show, what, what, what we see when we're blessed by God is that we're not driven, what drives our life is not our circumstances around us. We're not driven by our emotions. We're not driven by these circumstances. Now, yes, we do have emotions. And God, they're good things that God created in our lives to have, okay? But they don't drive our lives. What drives our lives is our relationship with Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit in us. So that we can mourn. We can be humble. We can be angry and do all these things without sinning. That's what Jesus did. And he should be our example. And so... And what it shows is that we are satisfied. We are satisfied because of all that Jesus did for us. Whether, I'm, whether like, like Paul, we're in jail and just been beaten, he was satisfied. He could sing praises to God or we're on the mountaintop. Great spiritual victory, we're satisfied. Because our our, we're satisfied, our satisfaction comes from our relationship with Jesus. And so all this is what, what we're looking at. And basically, it's, it's, it's those attitudes that are necessary to live in the Spirit of God. That's what the Beatitude is all about. Do we have the right God-given attitude in our lives that allows us to live in the Spirit of God? And so, beginning with verse 6 here, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so this, this next attitude that we're dealing with here is simply that. Are we satisfied with what Jesus has given us, what he has done for us? And a result of that, do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? And so we have to ask ourselves a question. What do we hunger and thirst after? Well, as Christina had, had mentioned, and I have grandkids and Seth all the time, he'll, he'll come and he'll say, I am starving. I mean, he, he uses those words, I am starving. And then, then you give him something and then dinner comes around, I'm not hungry. Okay? And so there's a balance, you know. 
Um, or we tell them, eat up. This is, this, this is, this is lunch, nothing until dinner. And as soon as we get done eating, five minutes later, I'm hungry. Well, too bad. You know. So we have to understand some things. God created in us a hunger and a thirst. He did. And it's beneficial. It's good to know that I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Otherwise, I could go days and weeks and all of a sudden, and why did I collapse? All right, we need that. We need, we need those signs in our body that say, hey, you need to eat, you need to drink something. You know, we need that, okay? But when it says, blessed are they which do hunger, when you look at that word hunger, it means to, to hunger after something other than food. Okay, it's not referring to food here. And so it's, it's a hunger to long for righteousness. It's to hunger after spiritual nourishment. And folks, as Christians, we need spiritual nourishment on a daily basis. Think about this. We, most of us eat three meals a day, right? If you, had, if you had a couple snacks in there, it might be four or five times we eat during the day. We get that physical food, don't we? How much more do we need spiritual food? How much more do we need spiritual nourishment? John 6, verse 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Obviously, Jesus is talking about spiritual food. Although one day we will be in heavenly bodies and we won't need to eat or drink unless we want to. We won't, we won't have to have that. But when you put that hunger with the word thirst, thirst here is a very ardent, passionate, or zealous desire towards something. And again, it's not talking necessarily about water. What is our passion? This is what we're getting to. These next three Beatitudes deal with our passion. Folks, they're more than just words. They're more than just thoughts. They are actions. They are actions. So think about this. We go back to our first three verses, the first three Beatitudes, that spiritual poverty. Are they just thoughts? It being as humble, just a thought? Just No, it's an action. Just like godly sorrow is an action. We have to do something. And just like being, being meek, it's an action. Everything Jesus is teaching here, they are actions. They're just not concepts. There's something that, has to, that we have to do in obedience to the commands of the Holy Spirit guiding us, through the Word of God guiding us. They're actions. And too many times we think of them as, ah, oh, you know, I, it, it, it's, I, I'm thinking the right thing. It's their actions. And so we have to understand this. So we, do we have that hunger and thirst for righteousness? And so when we look at Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2, it talks about this spiritual hunger and thirsting. It says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do we spend money? And for what, and for that which is not bread, 
and our labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. See, what Isaiah here is talking about is a hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. After our relationship with God and what that means in our lives. First, it's free. It is free. It doesn't cost us anything, if you think about it. To become a Christian, did it cost us, did it cost you anything? If you say yes, then you may not be a Christian because that's not what the Bible teaches. See, it doesn't cost us anything other than maybe our time to spend time with the Lord in our, in our, in our daily devotions and our prayer times and those kind of things. It could cost us our time. You know? And so what, the question is, and here's the passion, what do we fill our life with every day? Do we spend most of our time with physical things or spiritual? See, that reveals our passion. Now, let me put, let me put it two different, two, another way. What's your world view on things that are going on around in your life compared to a biblical view on what's going around in your life? See, that, that's the question. Do we have a, world, a, a worldly worldview? Or do we have a biblical worldview? Where we see these circumstances come up, doesn't matter what they involve, but do we attack and do we respond to these things based upon our own emotions, our own physical desires, our own, well, this is the best way to handle these things? Or do we have that biblical worldview where when these same situations come up, do we go, Lord... What's going on? We can say these prayers just right in our mind, right there on the, right there on the spot. Lord, help me understand these things. Help me, do I, make, help me have that right response here. See, two different perspectives. It's all based upon our passion. Our passion. Passion itself is not a bad thing unless it's based upon the flesh, things of this world. If it's based upon the things of Christ, it's a good thing. And so this reveals our passion. And if our passion is focused on the flesh, folks, we will never be satisfied. Think about this. Things of this, of this world, you know? Nothing wrong with having a car, right? Nothing wrong with having some of the toys that people have go hunting and all these things. Nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with... Wanting a promotion at work. Nothing wrong with those things. As long as those things are not our passion. You know, we got that car. Yeah, it's, it's doing all right. But when the Jones is there, got, got another car. You know, that's, I need to get in a car like them. You know, we watch HGTV. I mean, I like, I like watching HGTV. You know, all, seeing all these new things and how you build houses, do all this kind of thing. And, but I got I to gotta watch myself. I That'd be nice to have, but I don't need that in my house. You know? Um, our passions. Our passion. And here Jesus is saying with the, with the Beatitudes here that our passion, we should have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so what is righteousness? That word righteousness there. It has to deal with God's divine law. 
That's what the word here deals with. It deals with God's divine law. Where the children of God that are living the blessing of spiritual poverty are going to have a strong appetite for the righteousness that God gives through another one here, law of faith, which is in Christ. Otherwise, our passion should be toward spiritual things. We should want to be able to open our Bible every day and study it. And read, not just, I mean, it's good reading through the Bible. Try to read through the Bible every year. That's fine. I'll be honest with you, folks. I've read everything in the Bible, but I've never been able to read through the Bible in one year. Okay? It's just, I'm one, I hope that makes you feel better. I'm one that has not been able to do it, but I have read all the passages in the Bible. I just haven't been able to read through them in a year. But folks, we need to have that desire. Because if all we're doing is reading the Bible every year and we're never studying the Word of God, we're not growing as Christians. During that time, God would say, hey, look at that verse and break it down. You might spend an hour on a verse. That's great. I hope that's happening in our lives. See, that's, that's that righteousness. And so what we see here in this passage of Scripture is we see a contrast between the law of sin and the law of faith. Now, we're dealing with, I'm dealing with Christians here. Paul, I mean, Jesus is talking to his disciples, to believers, with the exception of Judas. But he's talking to believers. And so he's being right up front with them, okay? And he's teaching them how they are to respond as Christians, how to have that righteousness that's, 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 that he is going to give them through his death on the cross. And so this shows our passion. See, man's righteousness we have to understand, is condemned by the law of God. None of us are righteous. No, not, 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 not one of us are righteous in God's standard. And that means even as Christians, things we do in our own strength, in our own power, is not acceptable before God. But too often we think, well, it's a good thing. And you have to ask yourself, who gets the glory for that? Bible says, you gave a cup of water in my name. Jesus says, great. But how many people gave cups of water and they got the glory for it? You know? It's all about, see, that going back to that meek, the godly meekness is, the whole point is, not what I'm doing, but I'm pointing everybody to Jesus. Okay? I may be one doing those things without, don't, don't give me, no. God's the one that, get, that gets the glory. And so the law of God exposes what is in the heart of man. It reveals your motives. It reveals your attitudes that nobody else can see, but God does. And he knows if what was done was done in the flesh or done in the spirit. He knows. Though everybody else can be fooled. God knows the truth. See, man's righteousness is based upon external things, their, their conduct. It involves observances of certain rituals, traditions, and, you know, nothing wrong with having traditions in a church, folks, until those traditions interfere with what God wants to do in a church. Then they're wrong. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. Let's look at Philippians Chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Now, this is, this is Paul here, and he's comparing 
kind of the law of sin and the law of faith in, in his life. And he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the, in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of, of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He's describing a carnal Christian right there. I have all these pedigrees. I have all these things. I do all these wonderful things. And yet Jesus says, unless you have righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't even get into heaven. See, we need to understand this. See, when you, when you, when you, you put all these things up in comparison to God's law, they're seen, they fall short because they're done in the flesh. They're sinful. They're sinful, even though they're good things. See, Paul shows man's righteousness is based upon one's ability to accomplish tasks through self-discipline. You know, I can discipline myself to do almost anything. We really can. But that's only going to take us so far, and then God's going to show us something that we can't accomplish unless he is involved. And that's usually when we go the other direction and say, ah, well, obviously God, God's closed that door for me. i got to go over here now. And God's saying, no, the door's open. I just want you to follow me and let me lead you through. And so we got to understand these things. Romans 8, verse 7 because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, all these things that sometimes we do in the flesh, we do to justify ourselves, but yet the law of God condemns it. Because we do it in our strength, in our ability, and not in God's. And so, the law of sin we need to understand, it's still a part of everyday Christian lives. We, need, we have to understand that. But now we need to look at the law of faith. See, following the law of faith is what undoes, if you will, or, 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 or puts down the law of sin because everything we do after of the law of faith is based upon everything Christ has done for us. And so let's look at this. The law of faith it refers to the, the, that rule or standard of judging or acting. Who's the judge when it comes to the law of faith? Jesus is. Who's the judge when it comes to the law of sin? And Well, we are. That's why we justify this is okay. And there's a big difference. Romans 3.27 says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No but by the law of faith. Folks, we can't boast when we know Jesus is the one in charge. He's the one leading us. The Holy Spirit is guiding us through. Romans 7, 23. But I see another law in my members. Now, Paul, here's Paul. He sees another law. So that means that, whoop, there's two laws at work in Paul's life. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing into, my, into captivity the law of sin, which is in my members. So the law brings into captivity. This is the law of faith Paul is talking about. 
Romans 7, 25. And I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. We need to understand that there is a war going on inside every Christian. Either you're going to obey God's word and live by faith, or you're going to do it, continue to do things the way you've always done it, and that's by the flesh. All your decisions are based upon how you've done things in the past. In the past. See, basically what you see here is you see, you see your passion. What's your passion? Is it based upon your spiritual poverty? Or do those things not exist in your life? Big difference. Big difference. See, there's, there's a war of two laws that exists within every believer. Romans 8, 8 verse 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, now that's the law of faith, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, you know why sin still bothers so many Christians? I will say every Christian, myself included. Not because it has more power than what we do. It doesn't. It's because when we became Christians, all that sin got buried by Jesus. But we go back to the shovel and we dig it up. I want this one. And we put it on our shoulder and carry it around with us. Literally, that's what we do. That's what we do. We carry it around. We carry that sin around with us. I just can't change my, the way I speak. I'm sorry, you know. Uh, it's just who I am. No, it's you're, you're a sinner. And you're not letting Christ change your life if you're a Christian. That's the difference. We, make just, we justify our actions. Doesn't mean that justifications are true. So we have to understand that. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Now this, we read 4 through 6, but let's look at 7 through 9. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Now here's the change of the Holy Spirit of God in your life now. Just like with Paul's life, when, when he became a Christian, these things began to change. He saw that all those things, verses 4 through 6, was a bunch of rubbish. It didn't do, any, didn't do him any good. He found, he found out he was fighting against God. Okay, And I think many times as Christians, we can find out that we're fighting against God, even as Christians, because we're following our own, our own lusts, our own desires. Verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Now, that eighth verse Shows us what we're supposed to do. We have to count everything in our lives as lost to Christ, which means, God, you own it all. You own my house. You own my job. You own all my attitudes. All, you, everything is yours, Lord. And so whatever you choose to take away from me, I will be content with that. Whatever you choose to bless, I'll be content with that. You want to find out if you've truly given something to God? Let God take it away. So see, see just how truly content we are. Because if he takes away, okay. You know? Verse 9 of that, of that text, 
Philippians 3. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. That's that of the law there is the law of sin and death. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That's the law of faith. Again, it shows your worldview. It shows your passion. Do you have a biblical worldview? Or do you have a worldly worldview? And see, if you're honest, Christ will show you where you stand. See, the law of faith is what God writes in our hearts. And he has given Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit to indwell us, to teach us about the law of faith. And to teach us how to walk, how we can be, as, as our text says, hunger and thirst after his righteousness. You, know, you look, look back in the book of Acts. After Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. You know how many people they had in church that day? 3,000. You know, if they had Sunday school, you know how many people would have been in, in church and Sunday school that day? It would have been 3,000. Wednesday Bible study, there would have been 3,000. Why? Because it says they had a hunger and thirst for God because they daily wanted to hear what the apostles had to teach. That's a hunger and thirst for righteousness, folks. That's a hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, this is what God does. Matthew 5.20, I've mentioned this verse. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case even enter the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> See, our, our, our truth should be Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? All my wants, all my wishes, right? No. Because if you're seeking God's righteousness first, the first thing he's going to do is change your want list. That's the first thing he's going to do. He'll change your want list. Who are those things that you thought were important? You look at this, that really wasn't important. So let me ask you, when you got saved, did God change your want list? Are there some things that are on that want list that are still there that shouldn't be there? You need to give them to Christ. Romans 6, 16 to 18. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto the death, the law of sin, or unto obedience unto righteousness, the law of faith. Who do you listen to? I mean, I'm going to show my age here, but Bugs Bunny, you know, I always had that little good angel here and a little bad angel over here. Who are you going to listen to? Folks, that's a perfect illustration, a good spiritual illustration of the law of sin and the law of faith in a Christian's life. Who are you going to listen to? That's really it. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? Verse 17 of Romans 6. But God be thanked that you were the servants, that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin, 
he became the servants of righteousness. What stops us from being servants of righteousness? Going back to the old man. Going back to digging up that old sin, those old desires. That's what stops us. That's what stops us. But what does it say here in the last part of that verse 6? They shall be filled. Those who have a proper worldview, those that have a biblical worldview, those that, that are living by the Spirit of God. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to live perfectly. We're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes, folks. But because of our spiritual poverty, we're going to right those wrongs as the Holy Spirit directs us to. We're not going to let them engulf our lives. And it says, they shall be filled. And that word filled means to feed, to fill, to satisfy, but with spiritual blessings. See, God knows what we need. And we're going to be satisfied with what God has given us. There are many Christians who live in poverty. There are many Christians who are multimillionaires. But folks, if they're walking in the Spirit of God, Wherever they're at, they're satisfied because they're living by the Spirit of God. They're going to be filled. Filled with what? Well, all sorts of spiritual blessings. And spiritual blessings can include physical things, okay? But it talks about spiritual gifts, the fruits of the Spirit, knowledge, wisdom, having the mind of Christ, Seeing God's perspective on our life. And folks, that is part of the most important thing. We see God's perspective on our circumstances at that moment in that time. Why, are we, why am I suffering through this? If you're walking by the Spirit of God, you're going to know. You'll know if it involves sin in your life or if there's some other reason. You'll know. Many times as Christians, we go through hardships because God's trying to get our attention. We haven't been living for him, and so he has to do things to get our attention. But sometimes we go through hardships not because of anything we did, but God has a, high, a higher purpose. Look at Job, you know, faithful to God, but God took everything from him. Well, Job never, I don't know if Job ever knew why God did what he did, but he just trusted God. But God had to prove something to Satan. We got we to have God's perspective here. That's what's important. And folks, if we are living in that spiritual poverty where we, we are walking by the Spirit of God, then our passion is going to be hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Next week we'll look at, we'll have mercy. And after that, we'll have a pure heart. And we're going to look at those things. That's our passion. Is it for Christ? Or is it based on the flesh? Are we easily upset? Shows we're missing some things. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.